Hi, I'm Tim from the Marathon Mates. Welcome to episode number 34 of The Flying Runner. Today we're talking about parkrun, the worldwide phenomenon that has changed so many people's lives for the better. Are you ready to run? Let's go. Welcome to the thrilling world of The Flying Runner, brought to you by the Marathon Mates. And welcome back to the Flying Runner podcast. On this episode, we're talking all things parkrun. If you haven't heard about parkrun, then you're in for a treat as we talk about the history of parkrun, as well as share our experiences of how parkrun has changed our lives. We'll explain what it is and how you can benefit from adding parkrun into your weekly training programs. However, before we talk about parkrun, I'm joined as I always am by my marathon mates, Tony and Tara. Guys, how have you been this week? And more importantly, Tony, you're now getting down to the pointy end. One week to go when this episode drops uh, to Tokyo Marathon. How's the body feeling? Um, yeah, Tim, it, I'm very surprised with how I am at the moment, to be quite honest, as uh, we're recording this the day of my long run and the day of your park run runs. So <laughs> I am incredibly surprised at the condition that I'm in, to be honest. So we did... 22 today and looking at our our splits and our times we've got about 25 minutes up on the cutoffs at this stage i think that uh, we're going to be okay on tokyo day um and yeah considering where i came from and considering the incident in october and the fact that i really didn't get into um training um consistently until probably the end of uh, December really I had the boot off at the end of November and then it took me about four weeks just to try and run again with some level of consistency but yeah feeling really really surprised and good and now it's about just uh, <clears throat> taking it lightly and um and uh, and just getting through so yeah i'm really surprised sharon's in good shape um she struggled in the heat today but she still jammed out about 21 i think she did so um she'll be right on the day um looking forward to running tokyo 10 degrees at least cooler than what we've been training in and uh, i think that that's just been the real challenge at this time of year as you know just running in shirts that are just soaked up I was even tempted today to take the shirt off and run bare-chested, but I um, I made sure. I'm always concerned about um, the scarring that that may leave on anyone that sees that. So, so I um, I did the right thing and kept the shirt on, but, uh, geez, I was tempted today. She was hot out there. So, it's, it's yeah, tough really surprised. Yeah, it's tough when you're like me, you know, you're the same. You've got a, you know, a Hemsworth body and you take your shirt off and everyone starts looking at it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Barbara, 
subjects right now so where we can. Far out, what's our week been like? Okay, so this morning we did Ashgrove Park Run. Um, it had changed its course due to the rain. We Here in Brisbane we had some very heavy flooding-type rain yesterday. So there was a lot of courses that were closed for Park Run. Um, Ashgrove was still running theirs, but we couldn't run on the grass. So we were all on concrete paths, so it was a new well, the alternative course. Um, I just ran with some friend, a friend of mine, um, and it was really, really good um, to catch up with her. We did um, some speed sessions on the treadmill. So I, we, well, I don't, did you do the same yeah. pace? Okay. So we did eight, it was easy for Tim, but it was harder <laughs> for me. Um, I did eight Ks at five minute pace um, with a sprint at the end going up to 14 Ks an hour the last three minutes i think it was yep. um just trying to get that body used to running at speed again um we've got 27 k's on our long run tomorrow so yeah we'll wait and see hopefully the humidity and heat slows down a little bit and it's not quite as hot but look if it, it is what it is last week we kicked in and it went really well for us so hopefully tomorrow's yeah. just as good yeah the bodies are feeling really good at the moment aren't they they're um Everything that we've been doing in our training is is working, I guess, for us at the moment. You know, the body's building that strength up. It's got its endurance and things like park run and things like speed sessions, we're starting to really notice the difference over those shorter distances with how our bodies are reacting and running. So, yeah, no, it's going really well, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and tomorrow's the real challenge. Another 3Ks added on, so 10 minutes further out. So we'll see how we go with that. Yeah, wait and see. I've been doing some reformer Pilates, so... Um, my glutes this morning at Parkrun were burning is the nicest way to put it. So I'm like, oh, I'm not as strong as I thought I was in that area. Um, definitely strengthening up, which is good. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks for that, guys, and, and good to have you back on, uh, on the podcast with us all this week. So uh, it's that time of the week where we go to the news. So as we always do, we look around the world of running to bring you news from a, um, from the great sport that we love uh, love to enjoy and run. Mm. So Tony, what's been happening this week around the world of running? Well, I think everywhere you look, it's all been about Kelvin Kipton's passing, um, unfortunately, and there are so many people that are still just so shocked about that. So the uh, the running world and the community and there's been so many heartfelt tributes um my favorite runner at the moment of course as everyone knows is safan hussein and she put out a tribute kipchoge's put out a tribute there have been so much uh, love shared about him probably the only disappointing thing and this actually made our mainstream news is that there is some question marks around the car accident and we don't necessarily want to get into that at all and fuel that and we would hope that there isn't um some sort of foul play but even captain's dad is talking a little bit like that so that's probably been the only downer um you know all the majors have uh, put out a tribute around him and it is just um it's one of the saddest events I've ever been associated with since I've become what um, in inverted brackets a runner and taking greater interest in what happens in the running world and um, 
Yeah, very, very. I even mentioned it on my music podcast this week, so because there wasn't a lot of music news out there, so I said, "Well, you know." So, um, very it's, interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what they do to honour him. That you know, a number of people have put up posts saying, you know, they should retire the the number one bib at Chicago, where he set the world record, or you know, something special in Rotterdam, or maybe make up some sort of a perpetual trophy or something that goes to the world record holder named in his honor or something like that um i've seen sort of all those sort of things but you know it'll be interesting if they do honor him in some way you'd have to think they would he he is mm. a world record holder albeit he wasn't in the sport for very long only three marathons but um there's the three of the six fastest ever marathon times that he's run um you know and that's a pretty unique individual to be able to do that so yeah very um, much so. yeah it'll be interesting what they do there was a bit of a movement for this weekend for people to go out and run two hours and 35 uh, seconds. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. I haven't seen too much of that on social media of people actually doing that, but I'd imagine that that's going to be a little bit of a tribute over, you know, the the end of the, the weekend moving into the early part of next week where people are, are doing a run in tribute of Kelvin. So... Um, very, very interesting. The other piece of news, and I've got the name this week, so Joshua <laughs> Cheptegei has come out over the last week saying that he's going to focus on the 10,000 metres in Paris, which once again is interesting. A lot of these runners are, are multiple distance runners and it's good that um, they've got those choices, I guess. But uh, Joshua won the 5,000 metres at the Tokyo Olympics as a three-time 10,000 meter world champ and he's recently stepped up to the marathon distance in Valencia at the end of last year he ran a a pretty quick and respectable time of 208.59 in Valencia but uh, stumbled at the end as his body was quite tired and it's you know you've got to take your hat off to these people uh, these runners for being able to juggle the distances and of course the marathon's a little bit more than the 10k so during the week he announced that he's stepping down to the 10,000 meters distance at the Paris Olympics so he's a fantastic runner I know that uh, Tim you're quite um, uh, you know a lot more about the runners around the world than what I do but um, I'd, I'd say he's a bit of a runner to watch and someone that's uh, got a bit of a favouritism around him, around that gold in Paris. Yeah, he's definitely a freak on the on the longer track distances, 5 and 10Ks, largely unbeatable over those distances. He has uh, set a number of world records in the 5K on the road as well as on the track um, and the 10,000 as well. He's, he's three-time world champion on, on the track at 10,000 metres. So... Uh, he's just one of these freaks, a bit like Safan, um, and, um, you know, he stepped it up to the marathon, had a crack at it, obviously didn't like the training and the effort that goes into it, and would rather do three or four, uh, I think it's three, uh, three 10,000 metres they run in the um, in the Olympics, a heat, a semi, and a, and a final, so they, they'll do that over the 10 days, so I reckon that's more gruelling than a marathon, um, mm. 10,000 metre races in, in a couple of days, so... Uh, yeah, it'll be somebody to watch. Um, Josh Joshua is a um, is one of those sort of rare talents. So uh, watching him go into Paris is going to be an awesome thing. Excellent. Right. So that that ends the news for the week. As we said, it's been a a quiet week for the news. It's just been dominated by by Kelvin's passing, unfortunately. So 
Uh, we're going to get on to the topic of this podcast, which is all about the wonderful world of parkrun. So um, I'm going to give you a little bit of history, I guess, to start with on parkrun, and then we'll just get talking about it. First, Tony, you want to say something? So I'm going so to be the guy in the corner that just puts his hand up because uh, <laughs> during this one because, there, um, as most of our regular listeners will know, I've never really got into parkrun, so I'm going to I'm excited to hear more about it. I was meant to do my debut a couple of weeks back, but just never got there. So my first question is, why do we not have a capital P in Parkrun? <laughs> it's just a marketing thing, I think, with Parkrun. It's always had a little P, and they get quite funny if you put a capital P at the start of Parkrun. Um, it's just one of those quirky little trademark things that they've done for themselves it's always got a little P, even at the start of a sentence. So mm. it just distinguishes it from anything else that you might do i guess but um yeah it's it is an interesting um phenomenon i guess for us it's changed our lives and i guess our our, our way today is to try and convince you tony that you need to come back from tokyo <laughs> and do a park run at some stage because those who think that tony needs to start park run asap when he gets back from tokyo please put the likes in the comments yeah. um because we want tony and sharon to be at park run so, yeah yeah, yeah. park run's really good but anyway I'll, I'll start off with a bit of history and then we'll get into a bit of banter as we go so Parkrun was started uh, in the United Kingdom in London at a uh, place called Bushy Park in the southwest of London on the 2nd of October 2004. It was started by a guy called Paul Sinton Hewitt and um, he decided he wanted to have a regular running event where he could have a time trial essentially for runners of all sorts of abilities to come together once a week and to do a time trial through the park. Now, so anyone who, who knows Bushy Park it's, as I said, it's in the southwest of London, uh, near Hampton Court Palace. In fact, it's the, the, the grounds around Hampton Court Palace. So it's quite ancient grounds. It's been there for quite some time. It was his hunting grounds, the King's hunting grounds. Yeah, King Henry right. VIII's hunting grounds. Yeah. That's right. So, um, so Paul set this thing up originally in uh, 2004 with 13 initial runners. Uh, running through the park over a distance of five kilometres. He chose five kilometres because it's something that you can do running or walking and have it done in about an hour. Uh, it's something that people of all sort of capabilities can do, whether they walk, run or jog. Um, and it gives you an ability to keep coming back and repeat yourself over the same distance at the same location and have a consistent time because most people, most runners don't always have that sort of capability in their lives. So that was the original intent from it. As I said, it started off with 13 initial runners 20 years ago. Um, and from there, the concept of the time trial, the Bushy Park time trial grew and uh, it became a second event at Wimbledon Common Park Run two years later. From there, the concept kept growing as people kept coming along to it, enjoying what they saw. And eventually the name changed to Park Run and it became established and, and, and uh, just kept growing and growing into other park runs uh, around the UK initially before then going overseas. Today, there are millions of registered runners who are registered to run at Parkrun. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of runners every weekend around the world who turn up week after week to run at over 2,000 different Parkrun courses every Saturday around the world. It operates in 25 different countries, including the United Kingdom, Ireland, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, Japan, Italy, Sweden, the USA, Poland, Norway, Singapore, 
Malaysia and a number of other countries as well. Um, so it is, it is quite an impressive thing. It's always set up the same way. It has the same look and feel about it. Uh, it's very simple. It initially, all you have to do is register online. You get a free barcode is all you get. Uh, and you can take that barcode anywhere in the world and run a 5K park run every Saturday morning um, at over 2,000 locations. So it's a pretty amazing concept that started with one man in a park with 13 runners, and now there's millions of people who are registered and who attend park runs throughout the year around the world. So it's a pretty amazing concept. It is uh, It is amazing to see how much it's grown. And just for the listeners out there, I do have my barcode. It is on my watch, so I'm all ready to go. I just said I've got to get there. Yeah, We'll drag you along yet, Tony. <laughs> so um, I, I've explained in the past that it's changed our lives, but Tara, do you want to explain, I guess, to our listeners the story of our parkrun or our parkrun journey, I guess, today? Yeah, so um, we have a parkrun nearby to us. It was Australia's first trail parkrun. And it had only been going for three events, um, or I went on the third event, but I started going to that originally because I was a obstacle racer, so Spartans and Tough Mudders and stuff, and I was slowing down in between the obstacles where all my girlfriends were quite quick there, um, had the strength for the obstacles but not the speed. So one of my girlfriends or a group of my girlfriends had just started doing this Bunyaville Park Run, and they're like, come along, it'll get you going. And it's 124 metres of elevation or 136 metres of elevation, I think it is, over the 5K. So it's all trails through the creeks. It's very, very obstacle racing type um, based, I guess. Um, it took a little bit of time, maybe two or three extra park runs for me, and then I'm like, come on, Tim, come on, Tim, and finally got him to come along with the kids. And we all just took turns walking with the kids or running with the kids. Yeah. Um, at the time and yeah now we've done 397 park runs um in 74 different locations and in five different countries so it's really changed our lives for the better we wouldn't have even been thinking about running if it wasn't for park run so yeah we've been into us well all over australia we've done them usa we've actually stayed and changed flights to stay and do park runs and um before stay a bit longer um we've done them in new zealand japan uk and including bushy so um yeah it's we've um park run is run only by volunteers as well so that's a big thing to let everybody know park run is a completely free event nobody pays for park run it is all done through sponsorship of um big companies but it's all run by the volunteers. So every single person that you see with a different coloured vest on at Parkrun is a volunteer. And Tim and I have been run directors and stuff like that before. We do lots of volunteering at Parkrun. But um, I think we've, well, I know I've done nearly 80 volunteers. I think Tim's done over 60. Um, but Bunyaville's always going to be our home one where we were run directors. Um, but, yeah, we love, we just love Parkrun. Can't get enough about it um yeah yeah so tony parkrun is exactly the same setup as i said before it's free it's welcoming to everybody who's a runner a walker first timer it's open to kids it's open to people who want to walk their dogs you can take a pram it's very inclusive and it's largely about the community um, so it's a really good happy atmosphere it's free 
doesn't cost a cent. Um, and there's no special need to have a particular pair of running shoes or to have anything else. So a lot of other sports, if you want to go and participate, you've got to buy some gear or you've got to, you know, you've got to, you know, pay your registration or your insurance money or anything like that. It's all included. It's all free. You turn up in whatever you feel comfortable in. You run it, you walk it, and it's just a fantastic community event. Um, many people will then go off. We do it quite often. Afterwards, we'll go off and have a cup of coffee with somebody afterwards for breakfast or we'll get, you know, scrambled eggs or whatever. Uh, and as we said, we, we tour uh, around to different park runs. And there's a whole group of people around the world that that's what they do, that every weekend they find a different park run somewhere in the world to go to and, and travel and do it. So it's a really fun experience and a really good experience. And I guess... Yeah, um, and you um, mentioned the, the support that it gets from some of the corporate um, entities. And, and I know Brooks have just um, created a partnership with Fun uh, Park Run. Yeah. And um, and I'm just looking on their website now. So um, Medibank's behind it, Athletes no. Foot, Polar. Yeah. So it's really, really pleasing to see uh, companies like that supporting a community event uh, that anyone can basically do. So that's a uh, shout out, kudos to those organisations. Yeah, and it is really, really good. I mean, we're Medibank private members, so... We're, um, we actually get points through our um, private health insurance every time we do a park run. We get points so that we can use that for extra, so like for extra remedial massage and stuff like that. So they're actually really encouraging you to do those sort of things. Um, Brooks and Athletes Foot, if you, they do deals sometimes where you can get discounted um, shoes and stuff like that. But, but to me it's... Um, all about the community. They also have um, Medibank Private will come along with their health fans and stuff. So, you know, they'll do blood pressure checks and they'll do um, a lot of health checks for you and stuff before parkrun and after parkrun as well. So it's like a free health check for you that you wouldn't think about doing. And I know of a few people that have actually had um, things picked up like high blood pressure or um, stress problems or something like that picked up in those things, gone to the doctor and had it fixed. So they wouldn't have even known about it apart from the fact that Medibank has been there done some testing and done some afterwards. testing afterwards and, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the good thing about Parkrun is it's always the same. So no matter where you go in the world, it's always going to be the same. You start in the same sort of positions. Um, it's always exactly the same. It's always held the same. You get your token at the end, you give it to the year. Barcode scanner. Um, the only thing that is a bit different, and it happens within states of Australia even, I've noticed, um, the start time. So here in Queensland, we're at 7 o'clock in the morning. You go over to the UK and it's like 9.30 in the morning or 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock in, in, in England and 9.30 in Scotland. Yeah, and then you go to Florida and it's 7.30 in the morning and you go to New South Wales here in Australia and it's 8 o'clock in the morning. So if you are going to do a park run, just have a look on that web page beforehand you don't want to get caught out on that not that we have before but yeah. we do know many people that have um really like about park runners it's not a race it's you're only competing with yourself on what times you can do now during the week park runners actually taken away all of their course records and age record holding Pops. thing and that's been a big hoo-ha for park runners because a lot of people are 
wanting to have a look at what their times are, how they are, and if they're the age record person for that course. Um, one of the main reasons why Parkrun has taken that away is because we have a community for Parkrun where it, it should be all-inclusive. So it doesn't matter if you're a walker or you're a 15-minute 5Ker, it doesn't matter. Parkrun is for everybody and it is designed that way. Um, it was becoming a little bit probably competitive um, and people were using it maybe in the wrong way that it shouldn't be used for. So if you want to be racing and you want to get age championships and stuff like that, go to a race that's paid for and get those yeah. sort of things. Yeah. Was um, that something that you guys witnessed? Uh, because because I understand the concept that, you know, if you've got an ultra-competitive group of people at every park run that are jostling to get to the front and doing all that, but is that something that was visible or is it something um, that... Is it a minority of people that have now yeah, taken it's a minority? So some park runs, um, and especially the flatter courses, you will find the faster runners there that will run um, and try and beat those records, and that's okay. But they've still got their own records where they can compete against themselves anyway. Mm. There's Strava for these sort of things. Yeah, there's, the, there's there's lots of other ways that you can compete with other people. You don't need it put up on those yeah, sort of things. The, um, the records, Strava. If if you want to look at the course records on Strava, you can probably find them if if yeah. the athletes are there. I would say it's probably not at every park run that we've seen, and we haven't seen a lot of people jostling. But there has been at park runs in the past discussions around if somebody's getting an age group record, and sometimes it then gets promoted on social media if somebody hit an age group record or a course record. And the reason I guess Parkrun has has said that they've got rid of all those records is because it, it is a, a barrier for people joining. If they see that it's about fast runners, they may not then turn up to Parkrun or join Parkrun. And it's not about that. It's not a race. We we have seen elite runners run before at Parkrun and we've seen Olympians run at Parkrun. And they're some of the most kindest, generous people <laughs> you see out there at those events. They're willing to talk to the to the other runners. They're willing to share tips uh, they'll get in and volunteer when they need to volunteer. But then you see some others that do come in with that very ultra-competitive mindset. We've had one person in the past who um, was riding on a bike because their son was a super-fast runner and he was trying to push other people out of the way so his son could run a fast time. And that's not what Parkrun is about. Um, it's, not a, it's not somewhere where you go and um, time yourself necessarily. Yes, it is about you can get your times on a weekly basis, but... It's always been the concept that if you don't get your time this week, we can always come back next week and have another crack at it. You can always have another go. And it's always about encouraging people to come back and have a go rather than, you know, get a time. And we've seen it before when we've volunteered, when there's been issues with the timekeeping equipment and we haven't been able to give people times. Some people get really upset by it and others are like, oh, well, I'll just come back next week and have another go at it. So yeah. it's... They're trying to reduce the barriers and make it inclusive for as many people. And I get the concept. I also get the concept of the other side, why people might be upset around the course records going and their, their age group records going. But at the end of the day, you're only competing against yourself if you go to parkrun. It's not a race. It's we never been a race. Sorry, Tidy. Yeah, I, I just, I'm a bit, I'm just wondering what the long-term impact's going to be because looking at the growth of parkrun, I don't think it has proven to be a barrier to entry for the vast majority of people that there are going to be some fast runners there. 
And I guess with every race being, I mean, if I was to do parkrun, I'd position myself towards the back of the field anyway. And I guess there's a little bit of that self-seeding. But I think I just hope, and because I know there's been like a massive blow up in there's petitions out there being signed and and all of this sort of stuff and, and i just hope it doesn't take away from the good that parkrun has done and that people start saying oh well boycott parkrun so or you know we know what the world's like nowadays so i yeah you know i think there's a place for both and i think parkrun had catered for that really really well and i'm just not Quite, I'm, well, I'm very hopeful that the decision doesn't impact park run, run in the longer term. So, um, I guess as well, I will mention that um, there is a world now where we have a lot of transgender people. So um, we know several transgender um, females that run park run, and they're very beautiful, lovely people. They're the most lovely females that you will ever come across. However. Um, their course records still hold as a male, but it's been brought over as females too, and they've still got able to run faster than some females. So we've got that, um, you know, natural-born females, I should say. They're still able to run faster. So we've got that issue as well, I guess, and that has become a bit of a um, concern yeah. for those people yeah. it doesn't worry me i'm not not a fast runner so those course records are never going to affect me in any way shape or form so for me i don't care if the course records are there or if they're not there it's neither here nor there for me um it is a decision that park runs made um and as a ex-run director um we did used to get several emails oh my garmin says that i was at 32 minutes and 15 seconds and you know your time says that i was at 34 or 33 minutes and 14 seconds wow. yeah um so i guess that there's two sides to both things mm. and i do agree i don't want it to impact in park run mm. in any way shape or form but again, as I said, I'm not a fast runner, so I really don't have any say on course <laughs> no, records. I, and, and um, I, I yeah. don't think it's going to affect the longevity of it. Um, I think those people who are signing petitions and those people who are saying no, it's you know they want it back, blah blah blah. They're still people that love parkrun. They still love to get up every Saturday morning. They still love the community aspect mm. of it. Um, they still like to catch up with their friends and go for a run on a Saturday morning and do a parkrun. I don't think it's going to have effect on the numbers and, and Parkrun wouldn't be doing it if they didn't have some science or some survey data in the background, which they say they do, which says that it is a barrier for people joining. Um, and they've got big plans to, you know, double the number of Parkruns and, and you know, double the, the um, amount of participants mm. participating. At the end of the day, um, they're a health-based um, business that is looking after... Uh, and in trying to encourage as many people on the planet to get out there and, and get fit. And it's not just about ment uh, it's not about um, physical fitness. Parkrun is actually a big thing about mental fitness. It's about getting people out, having their own time to just go out and run and enjoy being around a community-based atmosphere. They've opened parkruns in a number of prisons around the world and they found success in the prisons because what it's doing is giving the prisoners something to look forward to each week, but also 
getting them that ability to, to you know, improve their mental health and well-being. Yeah, um, scouting, but, scouting the fence line as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I even do it here in Australia and a number of prisons here in okay. Australia as well. So, I um, didn't yeah, know that. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's been proven, oh, not proven, but they reckon the prisoners are a lot better behaved and a lot more, um, uh, they're coming out of their, their world of a prison life into more of a, a, a normal life. And a lot of them then pick up parkrun when they come out of prison as well and continue it on. I know for myself, parkrun is a very social thing. So um, last weekend, I walked it with a friend. I didn't run. We just walked and talked. Reese and I just had a sit and talk, well, walk and talk. This week, um, I ran it with a good friend of mine, Anita, and we chatted the whole way, and I just did 35 minutes or 34 minutes, I think it was today. And then we looked at the clock, and Anita's like, oh, sorry, it was so slow. And I'm like, well, I'd rather have a chat with you and catch up. And if that's the only time that I actually get to talk to some of my friends because that's how busy our lives are, to me, I'm happy. Do you know? Like, and afterwards for breakfast or something like that. We've made a lot of good friends through Parkrun. To me, it's a social thing. I don't care about the times. Um, yeah. But other people treat it differently. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about what, what you can do with Parkrun in your training in a little bit. But before we get to that, Tara, there's... Um, your first time runner. So Tony's going to be doing his first park run when he comes home from Tokyo. We yep. know that he's already <laughs> committing to it. Um, he's got the uh, he's got the barcode. So what what do you expect as a first timer or as a park runner? What 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 happens at each event? So so when you arrive, Tony, what will happen is you just keep your barcode on you. You don't need to actually give it to anybody at that point in time. They'll do a first timers briefing. So they do that for every single park run that you go to. Um, they will do a first-timers briefing so that you know the course and the um, bits and pieces that you need to know about just <laughs> that park run. Um, <laughs> then we've got um, the proper briefing. So the proper briefing will go through things like um, you're allowed a dog when you go to park run, so, but it's one dog per person and it must be on a handheld leash, not on a round the um, waist. waist leash. Um, you're allowed a pram at park run but you're not allowed a pram and a dog because you don't have full control over the dog and the pram. So you've got to be mindful of the other runners as well around you. Um, some park runs won't allow prams, but they do all these briefings beforehand about your safety, what you do. Then you start your park run. They will have a timer there and you run your park run. You come back through the finish shoot. They will give you a finish token and it's a little plastic tag. You take that little plastic tag to the barcode scanners with your barcode and you scan your barcode in and then you give them the little tag, they scan that in and they keep that tag. So for anyone that's listening, please don't take your tags home. As an ex-run <laughs> director, do not take those little plastic tags yeah. home. Please give so, them back. So the plastic and the barcode. So they scan the position number and that matches up with your barcode number yep. and the time that's registered on the timing clock. And all three will then be registered afterwards against your name, your time, your position, and, and your name. Parkrun's finished. You'll get an email saying with from Parkrun saying what position you came in, what time you came in, what um, number you were in your age group and everything like that. So you still get all of that stats yourself. It just doesn't go up public for everybody else to see. So. It's really not that big a deal for me that it's not up there publicly, but you still get those stats yourself. Yeah. Um, 
you also have, as I was saying before, parkrun is only done by volunteers. So the more people that volunteer for parkrun, the better it becomes and the more friendly it becomes. It also is a really good way for you to get to know new people and to give back to the community as well. So um, volunteering can be things like just marshalling out on course and that's directing people. So like sometimes you're out on a course and there's a, you know, a path that goes over a bridge this way, but the, the, you, you have to go the other way. Um, we've got timekeepers. So everyone, we, are, we all want a time, obviously. Um, there's people that hand out the finished tokens at the end. There's photographers, there's tail walkers. Um, as I said, there's pre-start at each parkrun. So there's somebody that gives that pre-start as well. There's course checkers. So after the rain and everything like that that we have, and especially at our parkrun, it can become quite dangerous because there's trees over the path and stuff. So most parkruns will have a course check first. Um, so these are all volunteer roles that you get. And um, this, when you've volunteered enough times, Tim has got his purple shirt on at the moment, so that's a 25 volunteer shirt. Um, you can get a 50 volunteer shirt, you can get a 100 volunteer shirt. It's the same as you do with all your other shirts. So I've got my 250 running shirt on at the moment. Um, so you get a nice milestone shirt for each big milestone yeah, that you so, hit um, from parkrun. Yeah, so milestones, 50 parkruns. So once you get to 50 parkruns, you get a, oh, 25, 25 now. now. So 25 park runs, whether you volunteer or run, you get a purple shirt. When you get to 50 park runs, you get a red shirt. Volunteer as well. And for volunteer. When you get to 100 park runs, it's a black shirt. <clears throat> when you get to 250 park runs, it's a green shirt. And when you get to the 500 park run, which is still a little way away for <laughs> us, it's a blue shirt. So they become also, you become part of the running club and you'll see the shirts at park run, but you also see them in some of the other races that you do around mm -hmm. the world as well. What do you um, get for your first one? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you high five. Start will clap you and congratulate you. I can guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah, but it's um the shirts are supposedly free. You don't actually pay for the shirt. You just pay for the postage for the shirt to come from the to, UK from the UK to to you. So it's it's actually a really good deal. Um, you know, you, you're essentially in a running club at each different park run. You, you rack up your numbers, you get a milestone, you get a gift for your milestone, which is your shirt, you get a running time, you get to meet other people. So it's it's a really good environment to go to. And I yeah. guess for us, we couldn't even, as Tara said earlier on, we couldn't even run the first kilometre or so when we started parkrun. And within a very short period of time, probably a year and a bit, we were, we were ready to run a half marathon. And then from there, we've been able to build it up into full marathons and, and all sorts of other tricky things that we do along the way as well. So it's... Um, but it's, it's all self-seeded as well. So you don't have... If you want to go fast, Tim will always be way nah. ahead of me at the start line. Sometimes. I'm quite often way at the back and I'm happy to stay at the back and just wait for everyone to go and then I'll just slowly toddle off. Um, Tim will sometimes start with me. Sometimes you're at the front with everyone that's faster. But... It doesn't matter where you are. You just try and self-seed so that you're not getting in everyone's way, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. But do you want to talk about why it's so good about the yeah. um Yeah. So I'll talk, talk a little bit about the training side of it now and where you can use Parkrun into your, and build it into your training programs. So um, as we sort of say, you can go fast or you can go slow. It's your own choice. But we tend to use it for a variety of things. So at the moment, you know, Tara's using it to, to just keep the – 
the legs ticking over more or less before we go into a long run on Sunday. Because I'm running the longer runs with Tara and it's a bit easier for me to do those, I'll go harder at park run on a Saturday and um, build up my strength. But you can do it for all sorts of things. So it's really good for like slow, easy runs, like what Tara's doing at the moment in heavy marathon training blocks. Um, but, you know, you can, as we said before, you can use it to get a free 5K time trial and you can measure yourself over a period of time So, and, and track your performance um, that way. Uh, as Tara said earlier, you can use it for the walk and talk <laughs> sessions, which you really love, which is good for your mental health and well-being, but also just to catch up on trends. But what I really like about it is it's it's like a, even though it's not a race and we say it's not a race, it is a race essentially, and it is like a race environment. So you can use because it to practice. Because there's lots of people there. Yeah, you can use it to practice race day tactics. So it might be to try out new shoes or new clothing to see how it feels and, and how it works on race day. Uh, you can use it for different paces and speed so pyramid runs is a great one where you start off at one speed and then you build your every kilometer you build your speed up may not pyramid down the other side but it's a it's a it's a increasing speed every kilometer you build your speed progressive runs uh you can use it to try different fueling pre-race fueling so it's every saturday you can go out there and try a different pre-race fueling and see how it reacts in your stomach as well um and then on top of that most park runs or a lot of park runs have got some big numbers around them. So the one we're at today probably had 250 park runners running at it. The one we're at last week at Rocks Riverside had over 500 runners running at it. Um, Albert Park gets 1,000 yeah, sometimes. Yeah, Albert Park in Melbourne recently had 1,000 runners at a bushy park run, which we talk about in the UK, will get you know up to 2,000 or more runners in a week on, on a Saturday. So it is like a race environment. It's not a race. We stress it's not a race, but it is a way that you can train yourself like you're running in a race, getting used to running around large packs, having to duck and weave around people, managing your pace, you know, as you have to slow down and duck around people and still staying within your pace goals that you're trying to run. So yeah. uh, it's really good from that perspective as well. Um, a lot of a lot of people are quite anxious running in crowds and it um, to me it would make sense to start off at a what may be a smaller park run to just get used to people but i understand exactly what you're saying it is an art form to run with people and to yes. run with people so that you're not impeded in what how you're running but also that you're not impeding others it gives you that runner awareness that um we need in some of those bigger races so absolutely and um with park run as well i'll just um, mentioned that they all have AEDs so and medical um, kits, aid. like first aid kits there. So um, when we first started doing park run, there wasn't an, um, a defibrillator on course, um, and that's fine, but we have come across two park runs now where we've actually seen people go down and one of them didn't have the defibrillator. It was before they had defibrillators on and the person that actually went down was lucky enough that they had a nurse right behind them and brought them back um, from their heart attack at their finish line. They were very, very lucky that that happened. Um, but we have seen the defibrillators being used before at Park Run because, yeah. um, unfortunately, you know, it's like any running race. So they do have a lot of safety precautions that are there in place for the runners as well now, which is really, really good. So, yeah. yeah, and and the thing I like about Parkrun is there's so many different courses. So just in southeast Queensland alone, there's probably, 
I don't know, 40 different courses maybe around southeast Queensland where we live at the moment. As I said, in Australia, there's over two, 450 parkrun courses in Australia. Um, so you get a great variety of different types of running. So if you want to go and chase hills and do your hill running, you can you can find a course that's hilly. And Bunyaville <laughs> is quite hilly. Um, or if you want to run a, a, a very smooth, flat as a pancake type um, course, there's plenty of them around here in Brisbane as well, Sandgate being one and, and Wynnum Kedron. being the other and Kedron being another. So you can get a good variety. If you want to practice trail running, you can come off to trail running. If you want to do cross-country uh, cross running, there's plenty of courses that have oh, grass yeah. running. Zilmia or Ashgrove, where we were today, would typically do it on the grass as well. So it does give you that variety in your running and you can break up your training as well. Yep. Um, and the other fun thing is that sort of a, a lesser known thing, but once you get into park running, you find out about it, there are a number of challenges that are out there that you can do as well. So, you know, one is an alphabet challenge, which is to run a park run that starts with each letter of the alphabet. So, you know, A for Albert Park in Melbourne, B for Bunyaville, C for Chermside Park Run, whatever. Um, and, you know, to get all the letters of the alphabet is a challenge. There's other challenges there to run every day of the week um no not every day of the week every um yeah it's every yeah, day every of the week, week essentially yeah. so that because saturdays obviously rotate around yeah yep. um but they also have special um one-off events each year as well so christmas day they always do a special park run event but it's only um voluntary at each park run you don't not all park runs do it uh see so they do a special park run event on a on, on christmas day which is fantastic we've done it probably for five years in a row um, and then New Year's Day is also the other one. So it's a really great way to start the year off, hang, hangover or not, get out there at 7 o'clock in the morning in, in Brisbane in the heat of summer and go for a run with all your friends to start off the new year. So there's all these challenges that sit in the background as well. So it's, it's, it's a really good atmosphere is, uh, in there as well. So um, we've talked about park run and we've talked about the travel part of it and how we've been to five different countries and run in a number of states of Australia but Tara what are what are some of your memories that you've got of some of your favorite courses that you've been to yeah so um well obviously we've done bushy park run um <laughs> being being the people that we are um bushy is definitely up there like it's just magical we actually got to meet Paul Sinton Hewitt um when we did it it was their 18th birthday the day that we did it um, they've got deer throughout the park. There's massive crowds. Like they've got funnels for your finish time. So um, <laughs> it's it's just beyond compared Anything to any other. Seen, yeah, yeah, it's just com not comparable to any other park run to me. Yeah, um, big oak trees. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a beautiful course. It really was. Um, admittedly, we were doing it on London Marathon weekend, so we had a lot of our friends out there doing it at the same time. So it was really lovely. Um, so that one there was a train strike on at that stage as well. So to get there, we had to catch two trains and a double-decker bus and then walk two kilometres just to get stuck. <laughs> but we did it. <laughs> of course, we're crazy. Um, we've done Cornwall Park in Auckland, which I really, really enjoyed. Now, this one is through – it's a – it is the park, but they've got, got one tree hill. Yeah, one tree hill up in Auckland, but it's got um, cows and goats and sheep in the paddocks that come up to you, and it's lovely. It's a really, really lovely course. It's um, it's a suburban course, but it's got farm animals. Yeah, it's really quite interesting, actually. I love Cornwall Park. Um, Hamilton Island was another really good one that we did. It was bucketing down rain that morning, 
And it's a very interesting course because you're on concrete paths, you're on grass, and you're on the sand on the beach. So you've got so many different variables for when you're actually running. It's quite interesting. Um, it's a tropical island for those that don't know where Hamilton Island is, and it's in the wet Sundays of North Queensland. Yeah. And it's just spectacular. If if you um, Google Hamilton Island Park Run and just look for pictures on it, it's, it's it is a very stunning. lovely one. Um, in Tokyo, we've done a couple in Tokyo, so we've done Fataco Tamagawa and Shingashigawa Park Run. But I did enjoy Shingashigawa Park Run. Um, Tim organised with our running group when we were over there for Tokyo Marathon for everyone to go, and we more than tripled the numbers <laughs> just from Tim's little that he brought over of all the people so from traveling food <laughs> um normally they get about i think about 20 people at this park run um tim brought over probably about 30 to 40 people um just a park run so every you know we come over the hill and everyone's like looking at us like oh are we being invaded it was quite interesting but they're uh, so friendly the um the japanese run directors were so welcoming and so friendly for us and went out of their way to make us feel very comfortable yeah. at the course. It was, it was amazing. So, um, And, of course, Bunyaville is always going to be my favourite. No matter what happens, that's my home of Parkrun. It's where I started. It's tough. It's hilly. It's trails. It's through creeks. But we only get about 70 to 80 people normally per week. It, we've got a family. It's a very lovely community that we have. We're very um, inclusive of every single person that comes along. And we all sort of know each other. We've been mm. to each other's like weddings. Like We're good friends with people now that we went to their weddings. Um, so it's beautiful. It's got some trails. We've got koalas. We've got... Um, Big lizards. pythons, lizards, it's lovely. Plenty of birds. Lots of birds, yeah. Um, so there's so many different variables with parkrun. We did one in um, Florida called Claremont Parkrun, and I know Hayden from 40 Runs, that's his parkrun when he's in Florida. So that's a really lovely one as well. Yeah. But I've got so many different parkruns that I could go on about <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're magical um every course is different but every course is just as welcoming we've never come across a bad course or a bad park run community they've they've always been welcoming and particularly as an outsider on the smaller courses they tend to to tend to see you straight away and, and welcome you and say mm -hmm. hello so it's it's a really good event. So. Um, yeah. I've run, we've run Main Beach Park Run with Tim Oberg. So Tim actually brought Park Run to Australia from the UK. So I ran Park Run with him and Eloise Wellings one time, um, just having a good old chat to, you know, an Olympian and uh, the guy that brought Park Run to Australia. Um, it, as I said, it's very inclusive. So, yeah, yeah. it's a great community. Excellent. I've, oh, you know I'm I'm going to end up there one day. It's just about <laughs> finding the time. So long runs are our Saturday, and, of course, we use compass runs, and it would just disrupt our Saturdays at the moment. But I'm going to have a couple of weeks after Tokyo where I have a crack and enjoy it. So, And I, I think the, the welcoming aspect of visitors to Park Run is very, very... Uh, a, a positive thing and I think that that's one of the main benefits that you get from 
visiting around, but I do understand that parkrun tourism in some cases is frowned upon because of if there's a large number of people going to a small event, it really does place a lot of strain and stress on the volunteers. So I, I think getting around as a solo or a pair or in a small group, I think is absolutely welcoming. But organising 100-odd people to show up at a park run that maybe only is one of those smaller ones, is you need to understand that that may create some stress, I would believe, for the park yeah, run. I know. Yeah, I know we're very lucky. Um, when we've had large groups come along, like large running groups that have come along to Bunyaville, we've had messages come through and say, look, just wanted to let you know we're going to be bringing along, say, 40 people from this running group. Are you okay with this on this day? When we get pre-advice that these people are coming, we can then cater for that. So it's not a big deal. Um, most yeah. parkruns are able to cater for up to 500 people Easy. without being too stressed and that's on minimal um staff like volunteers i should say so it's not too big of a deal if lots and lots of people come through it's mainly a big deal if lots and lots of people come through at the finish time finish line at the same time um yeah. if you don't have barcode scanners but a lot of people after the run you can actually still barcode scan and get a volunteer credit as well if you're one of the faster runners so like say for example tim is a 20 minute park runner well you used to be um, <laughs> but he could run and then barcode scan for the people that are still coming through yeah if it's a large event and that, yeah, happens. that happens frequently I with think, our friends yeah, I think the good thing about park run is it's it is scalable so if there are more runners it doesn't need a hell of a lot more volunteers in fact it, it probably doesn't need any volunteers it can cope if people are generally patient but it is an issue for um, it is an issue for new park runs and young park runs um, because what happens is they don't have the experience in dealing with with runners. So one of the things they struggle with uh, is park run launches, the very first park run, and they used to used to publicise the uh, the first park runs. Um, this event's opening; it's opening this weekend. Everyone, come along to it. What it would do is put a lot of stress onto an already nervous uh, first group of volunteers who are trying to host their first time of hosting a park run. So they try to get people away from that. It is a good common courtesy that if you are taking a large group that you do notify and, and jump in and volunteer as well to help out if they need it. But generally, you know, the, the more experienced park runs that have been around for a while, they can cope with most big numbers. But it's park run tourism, ones. like... Tara and I, parkrun tourism, the two of us getting around, we enjoy it, we get out there and we we all talk to the run directors when we get there, have a chat, let them know who we are, where we're from. Um, you know, we'll we'll jump in if there's an issue or anything like that if need be because we've got that experience and we've been run directors in the yeah. past. But it is a big thing and, and parkrun tourism itself has a massive economic value on, on, on the communities. So we've seen parkrun um, cafes near parkruns that actually advertise uh 10% off 15% off for parkrunners if you show your barcode and um you know you think you know we've spent time and we've spent hotel money and and accommodation and and meals and all sorts of things in communities that we probably wouldn't have spent if we weren't doing parkrun there so it's quite a quite an awesome achievement we went out to dolby just after the bushfires went through um and ravaged that area like 
late last year um, on purpose to do their park run. We stayed the night in a little motel that was a family-owned motel, went to the local pub for dinner, had breakfast at the local cafe and spent money in that community to try and help that tourism thing come back as well. So that is the good thing with Parkrun. It's a good excuse for us to have like a little mini getaway as well um, <laughs> from the real world. So it's it's a, yeah. it's a nice way to do things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so hopefully that gives everyone a, a good insight of to what Parkrun is. And for those who've not heard about Parkrun or not been to Parkrun before, maybe this is the time to, to stop and, and think maybe it is for you and, and to sign up and at least go and have a look at it and, and you, you know, what, what have you got to lose? If you go once and you don't like it, you don't have to go again. Yeah. But if you go once, you might actually like it and you might actually then want to keep going and become addicted to it. So, And you don't have to have a parkrun barcode to run parkrun. So you're able to, if you want to remain anonymous and run parkrun, you don't have to take a token at the end. You can just run it and then it's your own thing anyway. So you don't have to have your name recorded anywhere. You don't have to do any of that sort of stuff. You can just run it yourself without actually being registered for Parkrun as well. So that's a really, really good thing. Um, yeah, it's very inclusive. So before we finish up, we'll get your tip as always, Tim. How does that sound? Tips. So thanks, Tara. Um, my tip today is about giving back. We've heard about volunteerism and park running. So giving something back to running makes you feel a little bit more connected um, to the running community. So as I said, um, I get some people go and do their own runs and, and don't want to volunteer. That's fine. But volunteering gives you the opportunity to give something back to the sport. We've, we found, Tara and I have found um, volunteering at Parkrun to be very rewarding. It connects us with other people with other abilities and capabilities. Um, but you don't just have to volunteer at Parkrun. It could be encouraging somebody to get up and go for a run, a first-time runner, or somebody who's interested in running, going, going and helping them and, and running with them and supporting them and encouraging them to change their lives. Uh, it could also be um, helping out at a race event and working on a drink station. We heard Kay Mass back in episode 16 when she was on with us talk about um, the drink station at Sunshine Coast Marathon and how much fun Kay and her husband Jed had Spraying people, <laughs> it's people with water. It's a fun way to give back to the sport is whether you're volunteering at, at Parkrun or whether you're volunteering on a race. Uh, for me personally, when things get tough, I, I draw on some of those things, those people I've met, those people that I've helped get up out of bed and go for a run who've changed their lives. I draw on their stories as inspiration to help me keep going when things get tough in a race. And I tend to think to myself, if those people can do it, I can do it as well. It's a little bit, a few more kilometres for me and I'll be finished or whatever. So it helps me with those tough moments. So my advice is get out there, stick your hand up. If you haven't volunteered at Parkrun or haven't given something back to the sport, give it a try. It will make you feel so much better and it'll, it'll just give you this nice, happy, fun, rewarding experience. So, And I'll just add one quick thing. Sorry, I know that I always do this to you, but Parkrun actually has what's called the park walker or the tail walker as well. So at Parkrun, there's always somebody who is the very last person. They're designated to be the last person to make sure that you are not the last person. You actually volunteer for that role. You get a volunteer role and you still get your Parkrun. But there's also Parkrun walkers out on course that volunteer for that role. So 
I know I enjoy that role myself because I welcome the new people and people that don't want to run, I will walk with them if they've never done park run before. We just sit, we talk, we, you know, communicate and associate with each other and just get them going. So Mm. there is a lot there. Yeah. So definitely think about volunteering. All right. So this episode is about to end. But before that, Tony, what's on next week? I I think next week is just one of those episodes, isn't it? So Sharon and I are packing our bags and heading to Tokyo. So we're going to be able to tell you all about the, the our prep for the marathon, I guess. And Tim and Tara, no doubt, will share their tips and experiences from doing it in 2023. Um, no doubt, we'll also have a look at some of the elite performers. And it's going to be interesting to see their performance based on I, I guess whether it'll be interesting whether Kipton's passing has been a bit of a distraction hopefully not we'll still see some world-class times no doubt and um, I'm not quite sure how we're going to celebrate our, our potential six star and we've got a <laughs> we've got a we, we've got to complete it first to get that but um we do have a couple of things planned, so I'm really excited to be going through some of that. So hopefully it's going to be a great episode and people get excited about the journey that Sharon and I are just about to conclude, um, fingers crossed, and uh, and get us ready to Team Ellis to get theirs this year as well. So great episode, looking forward to it, and uh, it's getting real and exciting. So. It is. It is. I uh, I love Tokyo and I can't wait to talk about Tokyo. It's one of my favourite cities in the world. So. And hear about Tony and Sharon's experiences. This is going to be great. Yeah. So thanks, Tony. Uh, so that wraps up our episode. Hopefully uh, this episode has given everyone some insight into Parkrun. And Tony, how are you feeling about Parkrun now? You're, you're hyped up. You're ready to go and do it when you come back. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my first park run out of the way. And look, just uh, one thing I didn't mention, our good friends Kim and Steve Tujman are also in line for their six-star medal in Tokyo. Yep. So, um, yeah, getting excited to see them achieve it because one of the most inspirational things that I've seen in this journey is Steve's um, performance Recovery. in Boston. Yeah. Um, from the horrific hamstring off the bone injury that he faced after running Tokyo, uh, sorry, London, and um, and to see what he did power walking to 5.30 at Boston was just incredible. So I'm really excited to be sharing the six star with them as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. All right, so as we always say, video of this episode will be available at Spotify and YouTube and our audio will be on the usual platforms, Apple, Amazon and most other popular podcast platforms. Now, if you like this episode, please like this episode on the platform you're listening to, write a review and tell us about your parkrun experiences and which courses you think the marathon mates should try and get to. We can't guarantee we'll get to every parkrun course out there. There are too many of them. But if there's some some really cool uh, suggestions of park runs we should get to, we'll we'll definitely put it on our list of park runs mm-hmm. to get to. So please uh, like the episodes and and write a review. Uh, apparently, it helps with the the count in the background and helps other people find our our podcast as well. 
Remember, every step forward is a victory. Lace up, hit the road, and we'll catch you on the next episode of The Flying Runner. Until then, happy running. Happy running. Happy running, everyone.